out better for me. But uh, so this morning, I kind of wanted to the the topic that I'm I've kind of worked towards is called secrets revealed, uh, and the text that I used is Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. So if we, you can turn to your Bible, or I'd recommend you do that. Turn to Deuteronomy twenty nine because I'm going to pick a couple verses in the very beginning that start there. So Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. You know, it's something that you kind of need to think about, that the Lord our God has secret things, but he does reveal them to us. So if you would, just pray with me real quick and we'll get started. Lord God, I want to thank you for for this, this opportunity to praise and worship you this morning. Lord, just open our ears to the things that we hear. Lord, be with me as I, as I present your word. God, I, I need your help more than anything. Thank you for all the blessings that you give us each day. In Jesus' name, amen. So how often have you guys ever heard someone say, I've got a secret to tell? It's kind of something you hear, right? Uh, and it kind of almost, it stirs kind of excitement in you sometimes. Uh, you wonder, well, what, what am I going to learn that nobody else knows? And, and what God's told us is that those secret things belong to the Lord our God. Uh, this, this verse comes right after, it's in Deuteronomy 29. It's a point when Moses is getting ready to die. Uh, the children of Israel are getting ready to enter into the promised land with Joshua leading them. Uh, and what we see first in verse 13 is, verses 12 through 13, it says, that thou shouldst enter into covenant with the Lord thy God and into his oath, which the Lord thy God maketh with thee this day, that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself, and that he may be unto thee a God, as he has said to them, and as he hath sworn unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So first God reminds them of the promise, right? They're going to come into the land. They're going to occupy the land. They're going to become a great nation. The next part, though, that follows is in verses 18 through 20, lest there should be among you a man or a woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve other gods of these nations, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. And it come to pass, when he heareth the, heareth the words of his curse, that he shall bless himself in his heart and say, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. The Lord will not spare him, but then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man. And all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven." That's kind of an interesting point, right? God has revealed promises and curses. And then God even makes a point that at some point, we're, going to, we're not only going to ignore what he has, follow other gods, but we're even going to say to ourselves, well, I'm blessed because of that. It's, it, kind of, it kind of gets us to this point in the text where God then tells us about the secrets, right? Those secret things that belong to the God, but those things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Uh, I wanted to talk first a little bit about how I got here, right? Because 
I know that Deuteronomy verse is kind of an interesting one. Uh, I've already restarted my reading through the Bible in a year, uh, and I hope all of you are doing that too. Uh, but I was in Judges a couple weeks ago, and what I was reading about was a guy named Eglon and a guy named Ehud. Now, if you don't remember, Eglon was the king of Moab, uh, and, and we're in Judges, so what happens in Judges? Uh, the first thing that happens in Judges is the people are following God, and then they turn away from God. Uh, they've turned away from God, uh, they've stopped following Him, so God chastens them. He brings in another nation or another king to rule over them, and this time He's brought in Moab. Well, Moab is smiting Israel. He's, he's ganged up the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Amalekites. Uh, three nations that God had tried to get Israel to remove from the land in the beginning. And he gathered them up, and they, they made Israel serve Eglon, the king of Moab. Well, as we know in Judges, what happens after God has chastened the people of Israel? Well, they cry out, just like we do when we're chastened. So he cri they cried out to him and said, uh, we, need, we need somebody to save us from all this. And what God does in those cases, did during this time period, was he sent a judge. And the judge he sent was Ehud. And Ehud was a Benjamite. He was a left-handed Benjamite. And he, he, he was sent to take a present to Eglon. So he brings this present, but at the same time he's bringing the present, he's also fashioned himself a knife that's about 18 inches long, quite long. It's a, it's a, it's a cubit in length. And he's strapped it to his right thigh. So when he goes to meet Ehud, the first thing he does is give him all the presents that Israel has sent him. But the next thing he does is he turns again from the quarries that were by Gilgal, and I'm picking up in verse 19 of Judges 3, and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, keep silence. Well, this is kind of the way we feel when we hear that there's going to be a secret, right? Eglon knew there was a secret. Man, he was just ready to hear it, but he didn't want anybody else to hear it. He wanted to keep all... He said, get everybody out of here so that Ehud can tell me this secret. Well, Ehud did tell him a secret. And, and, and what he did is he said, I have a, I, Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he rose out of his seat. He took the knife from his right thigh and he stabbed Ehud with it all the way to the hilt, all the way inside. Uh, you know, and, and the verses go on to talk about various parts of, that, that of, the, of killing him, but towards the end of it, it says, and then the dirt ran out. You know, I found this interesting in my reading because we see a case where Eglon's curiosity in the secret to be revealed by him literally killed him. Uh, you know, there are secrets that we're not meant to pursue. And should we be eager to know every secret? So what is shown to us? Uh, this course all resulted in Eglon's demise when the dirt is spilled out. So what is a secret? Well, a secret is something that's hidden, but as we see, it's also something that can be revealed. So first, I kind of wanted to talk about secrets that are not ours to share. Tail-bearing is telling a secret. So tail-bearing is, is, is the way the Bible talks about something that we would commonly call gossip, 
or being a busybody. Uh, so you, the first point here is don't be a talebearer. You know, we can see where it got Eglon when he listened to the talebearer, and we're warned about it in Scripture. If you turn to Leviticus 19, it says in verse 16, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. We have in clear instruction not to be a talebearer. So what does it mean to tell a tale? Well, telling a tale, being a talebearer, being a gossip, is telling only a piece of the story, only telling what you know to someone else. Does, we'll talk a little bit later about what you should think about as you're doing that, but what happens when you're a talebearer? Proverbs 18.8 tells us, it says, the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. And that kind of reminds us of Eglon, doesn't it? Uh, Proverbs 26.20 says, Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out, so where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. So it tells us two things, right? Tales wound, gossip wounds. Uh, it also causes strife. Uh, two very clear warnings that we get from the Bible. So what does gossip look like? Let's look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 4.29 says that no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So that tail bearing is really a corrupt communication. It's telling somebody a secret with no expectation that they're really going to do anything useful with it. Those communications need to be edifying. If it's something that looks like gossip or a tale to be bared, uh, what, what you should be considering is what are we going to do with that information? Is it something that can help? Is it something that can cause us to help someone else? Not just am I telling a tale because I heard some juicy gossip. So the second piece to all this is don't listen to the tale bearer. Uh, it really is, we could have our own Eglon moment if we're not careful. Uh, Proverbs 20:19 says, He that go about as a talebearer revealeth secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with lips. Proverbs is really clear in that. We, shouldn't, we should follow that instruction. Not only should we recognize that those tales, that gossip is causing strife and wounds, but we should be there to stop it. Uh, when someone comes to you and says, hey, I've got this great, great, let me tell you about this. Well, the first question you ought to ask is, is it going to edify me? And if not, I don't want to hear it. And you shouldn't be spreading it. Uh, we as Christians should be able to hold ourselves accountable and our brothers and sisters accountable in this regards. So to get back to the real, the real piece of all of this is God reveals secrets to us. Uh, and how do I know this? And this is one of those cool things, right? Jay is always up here telling you that, you know, you know these things, you can be a preacher too. Well, I know that God reveals secrets because Deuteronomy 29, 29 told me that. Uh, it, it tells us that, that, sorry, it tells us that those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Uh, do, is God going to reveal everything to us? No. No, not, not until due time. But he, is told, he has told us that he will reveal things to us. Uh, sorry. 
Uh, by the way, if you, if you look in the scriptures, even Nebuchadnezzar, a Gentile king, knew that God revealed secrets. When Daniel was not only telling Nebuchadnezzar what his dream, what his dream meant, he also told him what his dream was. And Nebuchadnezzar's immediate response was, the king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods, and a Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, seeing that thou couldst reveal this secret. You know, I always like reading Job 38 through 39. Uh, it's a great set of passages that reveal to you how powerful God is and the things we just don't know or understand. Uh, it starts out in Job, Job 38, 1 through 4, and you'll probably have to turn to Job 38 if you want to track this. I didn't put them up on the screen because there's a lot of verses there. But I'm really only going to talk first about verses 1 through 4. And it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. You know, I'm certainly glad that I'm only reading this every time I read it, and I'm not like Job standing in front of God. Can you imagine if God came to you out of a whirlwind and talked to you that way? Uh, it, he talks about, how, about things that we don't understand the secrets of. The true structure of the earth. I, I don't understand how the earth is completely made. We try desperately to find out those things. Uh, the weather patterns, the way in which animals have their young. You know, even today, we're discovering new creatures in this world. We discover new things about the world every day. Uh, I know for certain we don't have a complete understanding of weather. But how important are those things for us to know? And what would we do with that knowledge? One key point here is we have to have the right attitude to learn God's secrets. Uh, I've, I've got a quote from Psalm 25. It says, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will, shall pluck out my feet of, out of the net. You know, that's kind of an interesting point. So if you look back to that, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Uh, I have a, probably have a different verse, but I've, what, I've, what I'm going to go to is Job 28, 28, because it, it's, it's very similar to Psalm 110, but it says, and unto man he said, behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Do we really fear God? Do we even know what that means? Consider the first time we see the word fear used in the Bible. It's in Genesis 9. It is combined with dread. And what God's talking about here is Noah, Noah has, 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 uh, is, has, the ark, the flood has, has ended. 
And what God tells Noah is, and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. So fear and dread are kind of something that go hand in hand. Do we really look at fear of God as something that causes us dread? Do we look at that with dread? Do we consider that I, 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 I am concerned about those things so much that I fear God? If God's revealing things to you through His Word, do you have that same fear about them? Deuteronomy 4.10 says, Especially the day that thou stoodst before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. Remember when Moses came down from Mount Horeb, the children of Israel were terrified that God was coming down. That, that was not a fear of, you know, we're going to listen to you. It was, it was a, a literal fear of what the Lord had for them. Uh, Deuteronomy 17, 19 says, And it shall be with them, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of his law, and these statutes to do them. So one of the things that we see is, how do we get that fear of the Lord? Well, one of the things we should be doing is reading our Bible. Uh, every day. Not just, it's Sunday, so I'm going to get my dose of Bible. Not just, well, I have time this morning, so I'm going to read. It needs to be a part of a regular habit. And it's not just a habit. Uh, Cody mentioned this a few weeks ago, right? Do we, do we open up our Bible, read our four verses, and say we're good for the week, good for the day? Well, that's not enough. It really is not. You need to, those, those, those verses need to become a part of you. You need to read them. You need to study them. You need to try to understand them. Even if you don't understand them the first time you've read through the Bible, well, next year you get another shot at it. So know where God reveals his secrets. So this is kind of an interesting point. If you look at where God has revealed secrets, the first place he revealed them was Jesus. Jesus revealed secrets to us. In Matthew 13, 34, it says, And all these things spake Jesus unto the multitudes in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret since the foundation of the world. So there were things that were secret from the foundation of the world that Christ revealed to us. The next point is secrets were revealed to the prophets. This is a kind of an important part because this is a lot of how those secrets get to us. Amos 3, 7 says, Surely the Lord will do nothing, but he revealeth, revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Finally, secrets are revealed to believers. How are they revealed to believers? Through the scriptures. This is an important point for us, right? Remember I said those revelations come to us, and if we look at Romans 16, 25 through 27, it says, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, 
according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. It, it's important to recognize that God revealing to the prophets ended up in scripture that reveals to us today. Uh, and before we move too much farther, I want to kind of dwell a little bit on that made known to all nations, right? I thought I'd ask about, you know, who, in, who in, in, in this room is reading their Bible every day, but in some respects I'm a little scared to do that. Uh, and, and it's important that we know that everything that's revealed is to be revealed to all nations. It's not just for us sitting in this building today. It's for all nations. Uh, John 5, 37 through 40 says, And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. You've neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom hath he sent? Him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. But you will not come to me that you might have life. This kind of goes back to the what Cody was talking about a few weeks ago, right? The Pharisees searched the scriptures. They looked through them all the time. But were they really looking for Jesus Christ? Were they looking for that, the things of the eternal, the things of God? Are we using this, our, our reading the scriptures every day to guide us closer to God, to guide us to the things we should be doing? And just a reminder, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says... All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be made perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. When we read the scriptures, do we look at them for doctrine? Do we look at them for reproof? Do we look at them for correction? And do we look at them for instruction in righteousness? Or are we simply just reading uh, the second way that secrets are revealed to us is through the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is why re revelation of God's secret is something that's only reserved to those that are saved. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 12 says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us by God. Remember, this, is, this was instruction Paul was giving to the Corinthians. And it's something for us too. We need to understand that until we have accepted Christ as our Savior, until we're saved, we, we have this, this hole. We're trying to read Scripture 
and we don't understand it fully. And that's because those secrets aren't revealed to us because we're trying to do it through the spirit of man and not by the indwelling spirit of God. Remember that Jesus spoke in parables to the Pharisees and there was a reason why he did that. Uh, it's, he tells us in Mark 4 through 11 through 12, and he said unto them, unto you it is known to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Remember, this is, this is a point where Jesus is preaching in the world, telling the world about the glory of God, telling him about the kingdom of heaven and about the kingdom of God. But the Pharisees were using his instructions to try to find a way just to trap him, to, to tell the rest of the world what was wrong. And so the way Jesus worked around this is to buy teaching in parables. Now those parables were things that sometimes he even needed to explain to his apostles, but they became more clear over time. So what has God revealed? What secrets has he revealed? Uh, the list is endless, but it's, it's clearly, clearly he's revealed mysteries to us. So what is a mystery? Colossians tells us something that has been hidden from the beginning of time, through the ages and through the generations. Colossians 1.26 says, Even the mystery which hath been hid from the ages and from generations but now is made manifest to his saints. So we have three things that we can couple together that we've already talked about, right? These mysteries were things that were to be revealed and they were be, to be revealed to his saints. They were revealed, they were hidden in the ages and the generations and are now ready to be revealed. Uh, the New Testament has a list of mysteries in it and what I've done for convenience for you guys is you can kind of write down these verses and take the time to study these mysteries later. But I'll talk briefly about them. First is the mystery of godliness. Uh, 1 Timothy 3.16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, and preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So what do those words tell us? Those words tell us that God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ was God, God in the flesh on the earth, came down in a manger among us to teach us. The next mystery is the mystery of Christ in you. Uh, Colossians 1, 26 through 27, it says, Even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. How do we bring Christ into us? We accept him as our Savior, and he'll send the Holy Spirit. It's, it's that indwelling within us of the Spirit those, to reveal those things that we need to know. Next is the mystery of the restoration of Israel. Uh, uh, Romans eleven twenty five says, For I would not, brethren, that you be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness is in part happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. 
You know, we get confused about this sometimes. A lot of churches believe that they're replacing Israel. The thing we need to remember, and the thing we need to remember as we read the Bible, is that Israel is not replaced. Israel might be hidden for a while. They might have blinded themselves to what God has for them. But at the end of the day, God will come back and take his children of, uh, the children of Israel to the kingdom of heaven. We have assurance for that. Next is the mystery of the body of Christ. Ephesians 5.32 says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. You know, we hear Ephesians 5 a lot, right? Ephesians 5 is used to tell uh, a, a married couple how they should act to each other, how the man should be the head of the household, and that the man and the, and the, and the woman work together as a body. What, what you should remember is, is when we get into verse 32, what, what we're told is, I just told you something that's a mystery. This, this, this whole discussion of a man and a woman is really a picture of what the church should look like with Christ as its head and the church as the body. We, we, we tend to miss that sometimes. Uh, I think it was kind of interesting. I was listening to one of the Theology Roundtable podcasts and I kind of had a new perspective on the things I was reading. If you look in the Bible, every time you're looking at a, a married couple, a marriage, uh, like the Song of Solomon, you should think of those things in terms of which one of those is a picture of, the church, of Christ and which is a picture of the church. Because that's always the picture that God gives us. He gave us the family, the man and the woman, to picture the church so we would know how that should work. The next is the mystery of the rapture. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. I don't know about you guys, I'm looking forward to that day. Uh, frankly, it would be great to not go through death and to be just be re-raised up incorruptible. But I also have the assurance that because I'm saved, even if I die, I'm going to be raised up. I'm going to get I'm going to be have an incorruptible body, and I'm going to be immortal at that point. I'm going to be praising God. Uh, and the next, next, the next mystery is the mystery of iniquity. 2 Thessalonians 6 through 19 says, And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the work, working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Now, this, one, this verse can be a little confusing if you don't know what let means. And it, it's a little different ver usage when it's in, in a noun. And what it means is to withhold. So what it's talking about is the mystery of iniquity is already at work, but... Satan's withholding some of it. 
He's not letting us see that full picture of iniquity. But in Revelations, we hear later of an indwelling by, uh, by the Antichrist of Satan. Satan comes in and indwells. This is kind of similar to Christ dwelling in us, but it's on a scale that you don't want to be a part of. And finally, the mystery of Babylon the Great. Uh, now, I'm going to be careful not to take this too far, because I could, but I want you to listen carefully as I read these verses. Because as I talk about the mystery of Babylon the Great, you can picture in your head a religious group. And I want you to think about what that religious group does and how that's pictured here. Uh, it says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her head was written a name, writ, was a name written, <coughs> Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great, great admiration. If you study a little bit and you study some church history, you'll see where that picture lines up. So now you've got knowledge of what the mysteries are. I just told you what they are, but do you really understand them? And I'm going to complicate things a little bit. As a Christian, did you know you're accountable to them? Uh, what does that mean to us? 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2 says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So we're supposed to be faithful stewards of these mysteries. So what is a faithful, faithful steward? I'm glad you asked. Uh, Luke 12, 35 through 43 says, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding. For when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say to you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to me, and will come forth and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Then Peter said unto the Lord, Speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give him their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, when his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. And I know I read a lot, right? Because you had to understand what was going on to see what we should be doing as faithful, as faithful servants. We should be girded about in the truth. Ephesians tells us that we should be girded about with truth. Uh, our light should be burning. 
We shouldn't be just hiding here in the church telling ourselves about Christ, but we should be telling the world. Uh, we should be waiting on the Lord, knowing that he's coming, just as he's going to return from a wedding. Sometimes we like to make a cute wordplay with the word faithful that says someone who's faithful is full of faith. But to be faithful is really someone who can be relied on. Uh, even God is faithful, and we see some verses that back that up. Deuteronomy 7.9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. You know, I would expect our God to understand himself, so I don't think he, needs, he has to be full of faith, but he is reliable. And we know that, that he is faithful to us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We also, what we also see is that faithfulness to God is related to a fear of the Lord. So we come first circle again. Nehemiah 7.2 says that I gave my brother Hanani, and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. Just kind of a reminder that fear of the Lord, if you study that out, falls into a lot of places of how we should behave, the things that we should see. So the key point here is we need to steward the things that are revealed to us. So the mysteries are something that is to be kept by us, not hidden, but understood. And if we don't understand the mysteries, we can develop bad doctrine or follow false teachings. Uh, through the mysteries, it's clear that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. The Holy Spirit abides in us when we're saved. God's plan for Israel is not transferred to the Gentiles. And the church will be raptured. As I said, God has other secrets. When will the Lord return? You're not going to hear it from me. Uh, you know, we like to quote Matthew. Matthew 25, 13 says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Well, if somebody's telling you a day and an hour, they're probably wrong. <clears throat> but there is good instruction in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 2 says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Are we looking for those times? Are we looking for those seasons? Are we looking for those markers that we expect to see? You know, Jay has been preaching in Revelations, right? And we know that the rapture of the church is coming. And how do we know that? Well, we just went through the church ages, right? And if somebody can prove to me that we're not in the church age of the church of Laodicea, I'll buy you lunch. I, I just don't believe it. Uh, we're clearly, we're in, the, in, in, that, in that progression that has us in the Laodicean church age. So what are we hiding? It kind of brings me to the final point of today's lesson. And I know it's getting close to lunchtime, but you've had a lot of turkeys, so you can live off of that for just a minute. God has revealed to us a lot. Most importantly, he's revealed the gospel to us. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received wherein ye stand, 
by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory that I preached unto you, unless ye believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, how he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. It's, it's really simple. And if you've never heard the gospel, I don't want you to leave here today without receiving it and having that ability to know for certain that you're saved. And if you've heard it, if you've read it before, but you're not certain that you're saved because you've never truly believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth, don't leave here without allowing one of us the opportunity to present the gospel to you in a clear way. But if you are saved, are you hiding the gospel from others? And by this I mean, are you doing what you're supposed to do? 1 Timothy 2, 3-4 says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of truth. It's God's will that all be saved. That's not, not necessarily going to happen, but there's only one way for that to happen, and that's for us to do our job. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, Paul's telling the Corinthians, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. And Mark 13, 10 told us, And the gospel must first be published among all nations. Are we doing our part to publish among all nations? What about just North Alabama? What about Huntsville? Uh, Romans 1, 16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. 2 Corinthians 4, 3-4 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. That's kind of an important point for us right there at the middle. If we're hiding the gospel from those that are lost, well, they're lost. They don't have the opportunity to refuse the gospel. They don't have the opportunity to refuse what they've heard. They just haven't heard it because we're too scared to tell about it, right? Uh, if you're uncertain about how to spread the gospel, Chris is teaching a class Friday night. He'd love to have you in here to help. He'll, he'll help walk you through those things. He'll help take away that fear and dread you have of telling someone you just walk up on about the gospel of Christ. Uh, he'll even take you out into the park. Uh, you know, if you, if, you, if you want a real experience, get out there and do it. Learn how to present the Romans road. If you already know it, you're fully equipped. Just get out there and do it. Uh, you have a great opportunity to go with Jay to Zambia in the spring. That's one of the key things our mission trips do. We don't go to necessarily, it's not a healing mission. It's not a mission of, of doctors. It's truly a mission to tell the world about Jesus Christ. Uh, and if you think that's too far for you, there's always Boston. I, and I know, I know we kind of think about, man, that's a hard place to go witness. And you'd be surprised at how easy it is to witness there. You know, you've got people that 
are more than happy to tell you, I'm good, and send you on your way. But it's amazing the number of people that will just stop and listen. And you have that opportunity to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the key point here is if you're saved, it's your responsibility to tell the lost how to be saved. That's, that's your job. I, you're a Christian. You've accepted Christ as your Savior. You've accepted Him as, a, as your Lord. You should fear Him enough to do the things that He's asked you to do. So I can wrap up or you can wrap up? Or, okay. So, if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't heard the gospel, uh, Corey's running around here somewhere, Colin's here, Cody's here, I'm here, Chris is here, stop one of us. Hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Learn how He can change your life. Learn how He can save you. Know for certain that you're saved today. If, if you've heard these stories, if you've heard what God has for you, but you still just don't feel like you're truly saved, if you don't know for certain that the Holy Spirit has entered into your life, that you have a place with God, that, you, that you're looking forward to that time when Jesus Christ comes, if you still look at it with dread, come talk to one of us. We'll help explain to you how once you're saved, you're always saved. Jesus Christ is with you forever. And if you're in the audience today and, and you know you've thought, I'm just not ready to present the gospel to someone else. I'm too scared. I don't know how. Become tired of making excuses. Take the time to learn how. Take the time to gain confidence. That's really what Chris is trying to do with people. He's trying to help you gain confidence. He's trying to help you know how to spread the gospel. And finally, the most important thing you need to do is get out there and tell others about Jesus Christ. The whole world is lost. It's lost looking for a Savior. And it doesn't even know who that Savior is right now. And it really just needs you to tell it. So if you would, just pray with me, and, and we'll go ahead and close out today. Lord God, I want to thank you so much for, for being with us, Lord, for giving us that opportunity to to know more about you. God, help motivate us as, as saved Christians to go out and do your will, to follow your instruction, to go out and, and tell the whole world about you, to take that time from ourselves to do that because it's the least we can do. It's what's required of us. And God, I want to ask that if there are those today that are in the audience that are, are not saved, Lord, please Give them the, the hope and the desire to come talk to one of us. Lord, we truly love to help them know the Lord. We love to help them know you, know how to be saved. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.